Hey, I'm Zanzi, and welcome to Farmers Inside Track, episode 167. I'm your standing host, Duncan Masiwa. And in this edition, we chat to three dynamic agriculturalists about the ins and outs of running their farming business, creating new innovative markets, and more on why fostering our agricultural heritage is key for success in this sector. And now I'll hand over to Dawn Numdu, connecting with Andile Ngobo, who's a KwaZulu-Natal farmer and agricultural consultant. She also chats to poultry farmer Kahiso Tom from Tom Rakudu Poultry and Tapelo Piri Jr., who is a fertilizer specialist focusing on regenerative agricultural practices. Welcome to Farmers Inside Track. It's absolutely amazing to be sitting with farmers, people in the agricultural sector, the past two days at the Food from Zanzi in Daba has been absolutely amazing. Maybe just a round of introductions to start and more about why you chose the agricultural space to work in. My name is Kakiso Tom from Tom Rakudu Poultry. I'm a second generational farmer. My grandmother was a cattle farmer. When I started farming, it was by default because I got retrained due to COVID-19. But I decided to go back to my roots and like, my grandmother was not working. What she did was farm with cattle. I'm afraid of animals, but I love eggs and I love chicken. So why not go that poultry route? And then that's when everything started. I think the future of farming in South Africa is very bright. Black South African young youth are taking the bait in and running with it. So I'm happy with it. Andila, I think for you, you've been in the industry for a while. I'm sure you've seen it changing over time. What has your experience been like since you started and where it is now? One of the things I've observed over having come through to more than one of these Indabas, especially for youth, is that we would be quite irrelevant had we not had a platform like this to be able to share our experiences, share our differences, and also share how much of the challenges we go through are actually the same. First of all, that's been great. So we sort of get an understanding of where you are in the industry, how far you still have to go, what other people have been doing, the amount of emphasis they've been putting on their businesses and their personal lives. And one of the things is exactly that. You travel to other provinces or you learn from people who have traveled in from other provinces, you realize that our lifestyles are not the same. And you also start to learn that perhaps maybe you put aside your own personal interest and personal gain and focus on your business, make that your passion and also be fulfilled by what you do. And you find that you put yourself in a better position to actually grow in what you're doing. And when you put too much emphasis on your own personal gain and your own personal growth, aside from your business, your business may actually be a hindrance or a challenge to how quickly you think you can grow. That's just the first observation. In terms of the industry in general, with the help of platforms such as this, we've managed to get many South Africans, young South Africans, to understand that agriculture is not a chore. It's not a primitive type of industry. It's not something you do when all else fails. It's not a buffer. So a lot of people are coming in with the mindset that it is a business. It is a lifestyle that you need to live that goes with it. A very slow-paced life. There's nothing wrong with that. That's another thing. We've traveled out to Santon. We're sitting at a rooftop somewhere looking out at you know, beautiful high-rise buildings just like any other corporate person would when comes the time for them to have to do that. So we're not very different from other businesses and other business owners of our age group. Uh, it's just that our challenges are going to be different and we need to embrace what we do as an industry. Thanks so much, Andile. I think, Tapelo, you play in the innovation space. You're always thinking about what the farming future looks like and what we should do today in order to sustain ourselves over the next three to four generations. How do you see it growing? There is opportunity for growth within agriculture as, as a whole. And innovation can be that one catalyst to ensure that sustainability is achieved within agriculture. For those who are in, in terms of growing crops, 
for them to do it longer, to do it more sustainably. And obviously, we need to help the farmers as innovators to push them into thinking of agriculture as one of those businesses that they can leave behind as a legacy. So part of what I do and my mission is to help farmers in that regard, to help them be more profitable and just to ensure that they are in it for long. We are young farmers here, most of us. There is Agenda 2063. So part of my mission is to help us all to reach that mission of the continent of us being food secure, not only in terms of what is grown, but profitability as well. One of the biggest points that we'll raise is that we can't be farming in isolation. How do you see farmers in South Africa moving to other parts of Africa? And Dile, what has your experience been like? I see there's a trend happening, but is it happening fast enough? In business, you really can't be an island, and you also can't expect to only feed into corporates. We all have a drive, and we all track our growth a certain way. But our growth cannot only be considered growth only because it is now feeding into something that is established like a retail chain, a logistics company, for example. One of the prime examples I'm going to make in just in my microeconomy, I have friends who are actually, they farm, and they've been farming on a vast amount of land, but they are also quite far away from any formal markets per se. Their communities, because of, it is a farming town, a lot of their communities actually do grow and process their own food and also are primarily doing almost the same thing. So no one's actually, in their immediate community, no one's actually looking for the products because everybody's probably got the products. In this instance, it's sugar beans. So I was harvesting sugar beans down in KZN, they all the way in Eastern Cape, which is another province. And instead of stressing about how am I going to now brand and package this product the same way Andile brands and packages this product, I'm going to pack it in bulk and I'm going to ship it down to you. You're going to package and brand it, increase the scale that you have with your brand. That's fine. Push it into the market. At the end of the day, we're all going to make something from the incentives that come back from that kind of transaction. That's it. So they didn't have to set up or put up a huge capital outlay just to get their product moving. They just used a simple channel. I was part of their value chain. And because I'm closer to the market, my market is literally just, I've got the infrastructure. My farm is literally 1.5 kilometers away from a national route. I just need to get into the national route. It takes 40 minutes to get down to a metro city and I distribute. So that's the kind of mentality we need to employ in our businesses generally. What I'm also hearing is that, like you said earlier, it's not about you personally, it's about the industry. So I think that's definitely something that we should be focusing on. How difficult do you think it is to start shifting your thinking about primary agriculture into more other aspects in the value chain, especially in agro-processing? Right now, I haven't looked into agro-processing or anything because we're into poultry. But we all know that South African poultry industry is run by the four biggest companies. So for us to penetrate the market is very difficult. So what we did, we started as resellers of eggs. So what we do is we'll queue up in farms trying to buy eggs and everything. And then we decided, like, you know what, because these farmers, they do have customers coming to buy their eggs, but they do not have the capacity. That's one of the main reasons we also started. That made us go and buy land because we knew that the market is there. The informal market is, I think, the key to our successes because not everything has to be about retail. Yes, there's people who are out there trying to sell to pick and pay shop, right, and all the woolies. That is not our mandate. What we said was we will concentrate on the informal market, not because we just want to give them B-grade quality, we're still producing egg quality, but at cheaper rates, quality eggs to our people, and they're all satisfied. So for now, the agro processing and the, the master plan, I've put them behind for now. I'll see them on a later stage. Right now, I'm still trying to grow. 
as a young farmer and I'll see what the future holds for us. No, definitely. Maybe last question. Why is fostering agricultural heritage key to growth in the sector? It will help us to preserve our culture. We need that indigenous knowledge, indigenous food. So for me, because I'm focusing on regenerative agriculture, we need that knowledge from the elders, which is now part of their heritage. We having indigenous food like amadumbe and stuff, of which is the stuff that I didn't know, that I wouldn't know if it wasn't traveling to the KZN, meeting elder farmers, sharing that knowledge. Agriculture is part of our heritage. It's not something new to us. It's part of us. We just need to embrace it and take it further as a business, not just as a way of living. And Ili, what's your take on that? For me, culture is a crazy thing because it's not just attached to the heritage of who I am, where I come from, not in a tribal sense, but in a sense of as humans in general. You know, how we've moved towards being consumers and in being consumers, we are consumers at the most convenient level. And convenience won't give us exactly what my brother just spoke about. It won't give us indigenous farming systems that sustained livelihoods for many years before we even knew what a shop was in formal trading. We bartered. It was a bartering system. It worked wonders for a nation to actually even grow and become who we are today. So I would again like to look at culture now and agriculture in the form of what we as youth in agriculture are creating. We are not going to always be fixated on wanting to be commercial just because we've seen what commercial farmers can do with massive combine harvesters and expensive machinery and again, super technological systems. That's great. It works and it's necessary. But we cannot also shy away from the importance of the informal market, that microeconomy, as well as the importance of indigenous food systems. You make me want to even share a recipe. For the first time, I ate something called a sweet potato salad. And I was, first of all, what am I eating? Because I know it's not a potato, but I can't tell. And they're like, no, it's, it's a sweet potato. But the thing is, we don't necessarily have to prepare indigenous food the indigenous way, though. You don't have to boil everything and just put salt on it. And there are very interesting ways in which we could learn to incorporate indigenous foods into a modern society. As a second generation farmer, how do you feel about your agricultural heritage? I am very happy that my grandmother had paved the way for us because otherwise we grew up in the city. But right now I wish I could go back to Northwest, cultivate the land, live on the land, work the land and take it from generation to generation and build a legacy for my children as well. So I am really happy that they got to pave the way. though. Our parents lost the culture in a bit, but we still have it in us. I just wish that we can just leave the city and go back to our homelands and start working the land. Thanks, Dawn, and thanks for joining us, Andile Ngobo, Kakiso Tom, and Tapelo Piri Jr. From me, Duncan Masiwa, our producer, Megan Fandefent, and the rest of Team Food from Zanzi, have a great week. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring, and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.